This is Super Yacht Radio. Welcome to Superyard Radio and welcome to our great series this this month with the A-Crew nominations um, for the Crew Awards. Um, today I am joined by Grace Dvornik, who is up for the nomination for Chef, one of the best topics this year. I think in the past year we have all become micro-chefs or else we've just watched a lot of <laughs> a lot of great programming. But Grace, lovely to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so, Grace, you are both, I mean, you are a super yacht chef, but you are more like a freelance chef because you kind of work between the two worlds. Yes, that's correct. Um, I decided to go freelance a couple years ago. Um, at first, I started my career right out of college as a deckhand. I did three seasons on deck, and then I transferred into the yachting industry and became a chef. And my first uh, position on board was about six months and ended when the boss decided to sell the boat. I decided to um, do a short-term chef school program. Uh, so we parted ways. And after that, I started freelancing to test out the waters and figure out what kind of program I was looking for on a yacht. And then I realized that freelance was what I was looking for. <laughs> it gave me the flexibility to be able to be home and spend time with my grandparents to work when I wanted to take specific contracts and give me more of a work-life balance than a permanent position would. The best of both worlds, I, I would exactly. imagine, you know, because then you kind of get to do get to do both sides of it. But yeah. kind of coming back to your grandparents, because I believe your grandmother in particular was a big influence on your kind of present career. Yeah, they were. I grew up cooking with them um, here in Florida in their home kitchen. And we still talk all the time. She taught me how to bake cakes when I was young, or I would you know cook different meals with my grandfather. And um, when I decided to start cooking professionally, it was really neat, especially working freelance, that I would go and work a contract and then come back and make something for them at home that I had made for guests on board one of the yachts. Or I would take a recipe from home that they had taught me and switch it up and, and present it to my yacht guests. So it was a really great experience. Uh, and my grandfather also was in the Navy for nearly 30 years, retired as a captain. So having At that, that link to the sea. And, exactly. Yeah. His parents, my great grandparents uh, ran a restaurant in the Northern woods of Wisconsin. My grandmother grew up on a hunting and fishing lodge and they would host meals for, um, for the different hunters that would pass through. So it feels like there is a family tie with my job, which makes it really special. Yeah, lovely. Um, um, I mean, you, you kind of have the interesting double experience because I personally think yacht chefs are actually one of the toughest chef jobs in the world because I have seen galleys. They are small. 
you have to really plan your menus ahead of time because you can't stop off at the shop um, and your menus can be incredibly varied. You know, in the restaurant, you have a set menu. As a yacht chef, you can have a totally different set of guests who have totally different food requirements. So can you, like, the, the difference for you of, of cooking in a galley um, versus versus private cooking? Yeah. How is that? Absolutely. And... Um... It is a very interesting job. Uh, whenever I look back and consider my first Yacht Chef job, it's always astounding to me how, how much I did not know. And I felt like it was almost like ignorance is bliss. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what the job should have been. Everything was new and exciting. Um, but yes, you're right. It's, it's very difficult, especially for, um, uh, for the guests sometimes where they, they don't realize that it's just one person or, you know, maybe two, in my case, it's just one person that's making meals for 15 people. And, you know, maybe five of those people have dietary restrictions or special requests. And so instead of a restaurant kitchen of multiple staff, it's only one person. Um, So that is the most, one of the most challenging parts of it. And working freelance poses an even more unique challenge, um, where every job that I take, I'm going onto a different vessel, which has a completely different galley. Uh, so adapting to all of that right when I get on board while having to juggle different dietary requests, cooking for crew, cooking for the guests on board, it is a very unique challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've i only, you know, I, I've had the pleasure this year of, of talking with a number of chefs and, and each time I'm like, wow, you know, it, 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 because on top of all that, you're still expected to feed very hungry crew who were working very, very hard and to still have five-star menu, you know, it, it's juggling both. Um, I, I, yeah, I think you're great, <laughs> um, but yes. you kind of also developed, I mean, of course it's all five-star cooking, but you've also developed kind of your own signature kind of cooking as well. And I'm going to even go further and even printed it into a great cookbook. Yes. Thanks for bringing that up. In uh, November of 2020, I released a cookbook. It's a, a digital book with 27 recipes and they were inspired by recipes I cook from my grandparents, things that we ate on the holidays growing up or meals that I've cooked on board for different guests. It's called Grace's Upscale Down Home Cookbook. And that name comes from a head chef I had the privilege to work with on a private island in a private estate uh, as his sous chef. And he he called it upscale down-home cooking, where for that particular job, a lot of the times we were taking the boss's favorite meals that maybe he had eaten it, you know, when he was a child or, or um, that related to his hometown and trying to twist it and up-level it so it became a dish that was suitable to present to, to multiple guests. Um, so taking, you know, the at home family meals and putting the upscale twist on it, um, which is how I got the name for my cookbook. And, uh, before he even gave me that phrase to work with, I felt like that was the style of cooking that, that I had was taking, you know, recipes that my grandparents had made over the years, taking my favorite recipes, 
or um, getting to know the clients and what style of food they like to eat and then plating it in a more sophisticated way or provisioning for the best ingredients that I possibly could um, to give a twist on, on that dish. So I had a, a great response with the cookbook. Um, it's for sale on my website and $1 from every cookbook is donated to a mental health uh, charity. Oh, fantastic. And can I ask why for you, did you pick a mental health charity for um, kind of helping out? Absolutely. That was, um, that idea came to me around the same time that I was working on the cookbook. Um, I am sponsored by a company called Greensbury Market, where it is mail order meat, fish of the highest quality, all grass fed, locally owned. And for um, around Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, um, the Friday after is called Black Friday and everyone goes shopping. And then um, the following Tuesday is Giving Tuesday where <laughs> the idea is to balance out, you know, what you shop for and, and give back a little bit. So the company decided to have a challenge with all of, um, of the different chefs that they sponsor. And we were all competing for a $250 prize that would be donated to a charity of our choice. So each chef throughout the week, we were posting different recipes, different, um, different things that we cooked for friends, family, and uh, discussing the charities that we had chosen. So I chose a nonprofit called Love for Lawrence. Uh, my mom is on the board. She's the director of the charity. And uh, they have a goal to reduce the stigma of mental health, depression, suicide, and the like. And my mom also is a mental health first aid trainer. Um, so she is an instructor and teaches mental health first aid. Um, I think it's something that's not often spoken about um, where, you know, there's no shame in it. And I think particularly in the yachting industry, sometimes people don't realize the intense pressure that yacht crew have uh, without the access maybe to counseling to help um, to help uh, the different issues that that they may be combating on board with stress with being away from family with working long hours so I decided to um, to support that charity throughout this competition and I won the challenge and a donation was was made to the charity on my behalf and I decided um, when I launched the cookbook in November through the end of December I donated 100% of proceeds and we were able to donate um, nearly $500, I think, to, to the charity. And moving forward, $1 from each book is, is continued to be donated. Fantastic. And I, I think you're very right. You know, we've had these discussions. Um, I've actually done a series with a yacht chef as well, who's doing, she's a mental health first aid trainer. And one of the first things we talked about was stigma because there is, um, there is a certain stigma unfortunately still in about mental health or maybe a, a lack of understanding. And I think, as you say, we, we've seen, you know, particularly over the past year, a big rise, particularly among young people um, with mental health issues. And if we can change how we're talking about it and understand as well, even the stigma that comes into language, it can make a huge difference, you know? So bit by bit, um, I, I am 
a closet fan of things like MasterChef and Gordon Ramsay and all these other wonderful, you know, world of, of food. But um, for you, you know, if you were to pick your favorite menu of what you love to cook in particular, um, what would be your, you know, favorite menu? Not that somebody else is ordering, but that you are creating for your, you know, favorite person. For my favorite, well, my favorite people are my grandparents. <laughs> well, I, I actually, as I said that, I realized that there probably was them. And, and I, but, you know, <laughs> what, what do you love to cook? Um, for some people, it's desserts. For some people, it's amazing sauces. Um, what for you is, is your yay I love doing this bit yeah absolutely um recently my grandparents and I have been eating more fish um they love salmon cod halibut and it's been very fun to prepare it in different styles for them here at home um and shepherd's pie is another (laughs) big thing that we eat it's my grandmother's favorite she always lights up when I when I (laughs) make it um across the board my favorite thing to make is key lime pie I worked for a short time in the Florida Keys, um, and that's where I first learned how to make key lime pie. And I have made it on every single contract that I've done since. And it's just, it is a hit with all of my guests, with my family, with my friends. Um, And I personally love desserts. I would eat dessert for every meal. So key lime pie is probably (laughs) my favorite dish. Um, But on board yachts, I love working with fresh fish, especially if the guests have caught it themselves. I've had the privilege to work for a couple of fishing programs and maybe they dive for lobsters one day or they catch wahoo or tuna the next. And, and I have this great, very, you know, sustainable, uh, fish to work with. And it gives it more of a, a, a special meaning. I think that the guests had some part in the meal that they were able to catch it. And I, presented it and you know put it on the table for them to eat it it makes it a a really nice story yeah and I think it brings up an interesting point as well of you know we've been talking about more and more about sustainable food you know whether it's the carbon footprint of the food to get there or the sourcing from from small producers or local buying I'm sure that has become part of the yacht chef's kind of um, platter as well. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you asked. I was recently featured in an article alongside, um, I think there were seven chefs total in Doc Walk magazine in the June mm-hmm. issue. And it was all about reducing food waste on board. Um, for myself as a freelance chef, it is a, a more unique challenge, I think, because if I'm on board for one week, two weeks at a time, uh, you know, what happens to what I purchase when I leave the vessel? So when I join a boat on a freelance contract, I try to be mindful of ordering only what I need for the contract. Or um, when I leave, is the food able to be frozen? Will it last for a long time in the pantry? Will the deck crew be able to use it when cooking for themselves? Um, But that is a big concern now in the yachting industry. And I think it, it is really great that a lot of chefs are using their creativity to use all parts of, of the produce, of the fish, of the meat. 
that they have. So that way we can reduce waste on board. Yeah. I'm, I'm smiling only because I'm Irish and I think everyone of my generation grew up. Um, we were very aware of, you know, Band-Aid came out when we were kids and we were really aware of the problems in Africa. And so most Irish children were told when you didn't want to finish your dinner, you know, just think of all the children who could, you know, really. So food waste is something, you know, find it really hard to waste food. I, I don't mind putting up bread for the birds, but, you know, I'll try. But like that, even on a domestic level, I try not to get new food in because everybody likes the new food. Mm-hmm. But, you know, figure and, and for you guys, it's figure how to use all of the food, but still have something that is you know, top quality. Um, it's got to be careful provisioning, I would think, um, necessary. Yes, it is careful provisioning. And that goes with the pre-planning before a charter, um, whether you have a set menu or you just have an idea of the things that you're going to serve every day and trying to provision according, uh, according to that menu or, or the guest requests specifically. Yeah. Um, and the other side of it is, is the whole different i mean not only on a super yacht are you going to different locations but you've got different cultures and um food traditions as well you know that you've got to encompass into your cooking um absolutely my grandfather tells a funny story his parents immigrated from slovenia to the united states when they were teenagers and when they opened up their their dining hall as they called it their uh, their tavern and dining room in the northern woods of wisconsin um, making sure that there was no food waste using every part of the animal was very important. And at first when they opened it, they had a different cook. My great grandmother was not the head cook and she walked in one day and, and saw the cook doing something. Um, they had fried chicken on the menu, uh, for a Sunday special and they would parboil the chicken first before frying it. So that way it was partially cooked before finishing it in a deep fryer. And she saw this, the chef take the chickens out of the stock pot and toss away, get rid of the chicken stock that they had made and then open up a can of chicken stock oh, and pour it in. And she took <laughs> on the spot and took over cooking at the restaurant because she just could not have that coming from, you know, being an immigrant family and, and knowing the costs associated with the restaurant to see someone throw away the homemade chicken stock and open up a can. She absolutely couldn't have it. So that's been a funny story. My grandfather has told. Yeah. Well, and there's also the, you know, as I discover the older or different bits of meat, if you cook them right, can have a lot more flavor. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the, what we would have kind of grown up as stew meat, you know, can be really tough if you try and not cook it slowly, but cooking it slowly, you know, brings out a great flavor. That's just sort of, but I've also noticed a lot more variety in things that we weren't eating 10 years ago. You know, the, I I was never a big fan about kidney and liver, but, you know, understanding more about nutrition, actually, having different types of meat, for example, and different cuts of meat gives you a much better nutritional balance. You know, and I remember reading how, um, you know, one of the reasons that, for example, in yesteryear, Inuit people could eat the whole seal and not 
and manage and be perfectly healthy without fruits and veg is because if you're happy to eat the whole animal, then you will get the balance that your body needs. So I think maybe the world moving away a little bit from just the choice cuts and looking at different ways of bringing in other bits. And that's not even heading down the vegetarian vegan route, which is also a huge growing trend. Um, um, at least I would think though, that there's a lot more options, um, on that side than there used to be, but yes. for the special diets, you know, there seems to be a lot more variety you can bring in as a chef. Mm, that's true. Um, and vegan plant-based cooking has definitely been on the rise the last couple of years. And that is one of the most interesting things about being a yacht chef, but also being part of the yacht chef community. Um, there are many yacht chef friends, uh, that I have that I have never met in person, but I've met them via Instagram or, you know, a WhatsApp group chat that, that, uh, we have as, as yacht crew. Um, and it, it's very interesting. I've been able to learn more about different cuisines, different types of service because of this community. Maybe someone posts in a group chat, you know, I'm in this location and looking for these provisions, or I have a guest who has this request, what would anyone suggest? And people are able to provide feedback or give advice or following multiple chefs on Instagram has given me inspiration on how to cook dishes that maybe I wouldn't have thought of or wouldn't have considered trying. Uh, so I think it, it goes kind of hand in hand with, with the, the travel, the new cuisines, the new food trends that are on the rise in this community of chefs that we're lucky to have in the industry. Um, can I say, I think that's really cool as well. I heard the same thing earlier in the year was that, you know, we kind of think of yacht chefs, you know, you, you've got your own signature dishes, but actually chatting now with a few of you, there seems to be this lovely collaboration where, you know, you kind of share ideas and how to do things. And I think that's one of the lovely things in the industry is those connections and collaborations and people kind of supporting and helping each other or chef, yeah. chef mentoring, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of the great things about the industry because, you know, maybe years ago, nobody would have had the inside look into a galley to see the day-to-day -day operations of what a chef is doing, what they, they serve to their guests, how they provision. Um, and Using Instagram, for example, has been really neat, both so I can show my family and friends what I'm doing at work. Um, so other guests can, or so other chefs can see it and we can connect on that level. Um, but it's also become an online portfolio that I've had um, clients or, you know, reach out and say that they've seen my Instagram. I've gotten a job from Instagram before. And it's because they can see my personality. They can see, you know, the behind the scenes look at my style of cooking. And I think it gives people a better idea of what they're getting into when they hire a chef. Yeah. Well, I, I have followed and I do follow quite a few yacht chefs, but actually um, it makes perfect sense that it could be used as your extra tool, so to speak, you know, as um, presenting what you're doing. Cause Unfortunately, not everybody's going to be able to taste it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And that's been a question that's been raised with the, the, the crew award, specifically the chef award, is that um, 
people who are voting may not have ever met you or tried your food, that the panel of judges who then um, judges and critiques the top three finalists, they haven't been able to try Mm. the food, you know, can attest to our skills day to day. But I think it's about the online community that we've built, the, the portfolios that we have, you know, do we share recipes with other chefs? How are we presenting ourselves? Um, And I, I think that's a, that's a really unique process <laughs> yeah um for you the nomination because there's a few categories where there's quite a bit of competition um the chef one this year would look like it has you know there's a number of nominees there was it a lovely surprise did you know this was coming how did you feel you know it, it was a wonderful surprise um and this is my second year to be nominated, which I'm very fortunate and, and, um, feel very thankful for. Um, last year I finished as a top three finalist and was just absolutely over the moon that I'm, um, you know, a younger female chef in the industry and have been in the industry, you know, know, five, six years now, but still young in comparison to other chefs. And, um, I just felt so happy to be on a platform where, um, maybe other chefs would see that nomination and think, oh, I'm like her, you know, I have the same style. I don't have any restaurant experience or, um, or anything like that. Um, Not big boat experience, but I was so pleased to get the nomination for a second year because I think um, maybe my relatability working on smaller boats, working freelance can show other chefs or other people looking to get into the industry that they can do it too. That, You don't have to be Michelin trained or, or, um, you know, have apprenticeship, uh, an apprenticeship, excuse me, with, um, celebrity chefs, but that you can be a home cook with a passion and still have a successful career. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think uh, it's one of the, um, positive sides because I think it should be about the individual, you know, you get the job on the boat because of your skill you get nominated from all that I've talked to so far because of who you are and that impact, which I think is just lovely. Um, and, and final little question before we finish off for young yacht chefs or people going in and going, I love cooking super yacht. That would look great. Do you have any little bit of sage wisdom because you've had this really nice, interesting balance of both onshore and on board working. Would you kind of, what sage advice would you give to those young green crew coming in? I think my top piece of advice, because I have realized how valuable it is for me and for um, getting jobs personally, is to have some sort of portfolio or to have sample menus ready. So that way, when you are applying to a job, you can send along your menu straight away. You know, a client doesn't have to come back to you and, and ask for them. You're already prepared. You're already ready. You know, whether it's a written menu or food photos, I think a portfolio goes a long way. Um, another thing is to remember to be adaptable. Um, a lot of being a yacht chef is improvisation <laughs> or <laughs> you know, working with what you have where you have it in the time constraints that you are in and making sure that you are still able to 
work under pressure and deliver an excellent product at the end um, while still maintaining your upbeat, hardworking personality. Smiling and, and not having all the crew go, oh, no, not the chef. <laughs> you know, I think that <laughs> there's a reputation with chefs, you know, a stereotype that we see. But it's right. also that you have super intense jobs because, as we know, uh, the crew make the charter, but the meal can really affect, you know, what they're eating can really affect the whole experience. So absolutely. There is a lot of pressure on chefs for that reason, because a lot is riding on the three meals, the hors d'oeuvres, the canapes that you serve every day. But um, I'm happy to say that the majority of chefs in the industry, all of the chefs that I know um, are not the yelling, angry type that you may see on TV. Most of us are playing music and just having a good yeah, time in the gallery. <laughs> I have to say, I, I've loved beating the chefs. None of you are the stereotype. And, you know, you are all incredibly personable and kind of laid back, actually. <laughs> Unique qualities in your profession. <laughs> yeah, we are laid back. I've had some people think, you know, whether they invite me over to dinner for their house or if I go out to crew and they think, oh, you know, what is a chef going to order? Or if people cook for me, they they feel pressured to cook for a chef when... I'm perfectly happy to eat a cheeseburger and Doritos. And <laughs> once, I'm, once I'm off work and um, yeah, for the most part, the chefs of the industry, we are very laid back. And I think that's how we've been able to build such a nice community. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Grace, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to meet you and to uh, hear a little bit more about what you've been doing. And, um, thank you so much. Wonderful. Well, we have been chatting with Grace Dvornik, who is the nomination this year, one of the nominations this year for Supiat Chef for the A-Crew Awards. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay well, stay safe wherever you are. You're listening to Super Yacht Radio.